back to the 49ers official You've Got Mail podcast sponsored by Manscaped. I'm excited to be joined by one of my friends, uh, Bleacher Report's Adam Lefko, host of the Lefko Show pod. And if you watched NBA, the NBA season this year, uh, he's the host of Inside the NBA featuring NBA superstars Dwayne Wade, Shaquille O'Neal, WNBA star Candace Parker. Um, Adam, you've, you've been a pretty busy man. How do you uh, make time for everything you've got going on? What I do is I try to think, what would Kyle Shanahan do? And then I do that. <laughs> and it's about preparation and attack. And mm-hmm. I, think I'm, I think one of the things I'm going to add to my job description now is becoming the, the San Francisco 49ers stand. And what I oh. mean is, is I think that in the market, I'm buying up as much stock of San Francisco 49ers fandom as I can. As I'm watching everyone go, oh, after the Super Bowl's hangover, I don't know. I'm feeling it. That Rams game got me pumped, Kiana. Really? Oh, this yeah. is good because we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, and you're like, lead me right there. But before that, I got to give a little backstory. So I met Adam, let's say, two Super Bowls ago. Mm. And it was the one in Atlanta by way of, of our, our mutual friend, Serena Morales, formerly with ESPN, now with the Rams. And then also uh, Angela Stewart. And she's married, so that's not her last name anymore. But that's what I know her as. Yep. And so uh, we're there in Atlanta and we're talking about sports. We're talking about work. And then fast forward about just about 365 days later, the 49ers make their way to the Super Bowl. Um, would you have ever guessed that a 6-10, and 10, then 4-12 and 12 team under mm. Kyle Shanahan at that point, we're referring to last year, would have been able to turn things away around the way they did? No, that was the opinion that I got the most blowback on because I, I did not mm. think that they had the defense last year to get it done before the season. I remember wow. before the year last year, uh, the storyline was, Kyle's on the hot seat if this doesn't work out. And to see the impact that that Nick had on that D-line and how it seemed to almost activate uh, Armstead and Buckner and, and, and Thomas and everybody there, that was amazing. And then for the secondary to explode with Sherman and for Fred Warner to become the household name that he is yeah. now, I didn't see any of it. And I I think that was what was so beautiful. And I I think that there were a lot of haters, too, that pointed out how how easy their schedule was in the beginning of the season. And so Mm -hmm. every week they blew somebody out. And then every week somebody go, yeah, but that was the Dolphins. And (laughs) and now to see that, to see John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and and, um, the just everybody getting their due respect, Robert Sala, like it's. I love when teams build the right way. And that's why I still think that there's so much hope for this team, because I think that the foundation is so strong. Ooh, that's a good point. Okay. I, now I want to fast forward. Uh, this team is not off to the same start that they, that we saw last year. They started off eight. No 49ers currently uh, sitting at three and three, but uh, I have a fan question here on our, you've got mail podcast. We'd Ooh. love to hear from the fans and, and get some questions answered. So Bryce Anderson said, why is it so hard for a team that lost the Super Bowl to make it back the next year, AKA, you know, Super Bowl hangover. And then also uh, Chris James has a similar question. Aside from all the injuries, it seems like the team just has a different vibe and energy this year. Is it tough to match that same intensity after losing a Super Bowl? I think the the issue really comes down. What's weird about this year is usually there's all that media that you do. So there's all like the months afterwards of all the distractions and all that. And then I also think that 
you're you're hanging on to that last loss and i and you're you're wanting to prove that wrong and it distracts you i also think that people don't realize what goes into a super bowl season and how lucky you have to be think about all the injuries that you guys have had in six weeks compared to 16 weeks last year and uh it i i don't People that go to the Super Bowl, like Dan Marino went this first year and then never went again. Uh, I remember talking to Pat Mahomes after hit what he's experienced, and he knows how special it is. And I think people take that for granted. The energy that's different is, I think, the, the guys that are missing, which is yeah. the, the Nick Bosa's of the world and the DeForest Buckner's of the world and, and Richard Sherman not being there and you know all of the weapons on offense that – you get into that flow week by week. And last year they were a buzzsaw. And, and that's why I, you can't take anything for granted in the NFL because it's sometimes it comes down to luck, whether it's the bounce of a ball or an injury. Yeah. Um, So now looking at this season, like I said, 49ers three and three, you've got the undefeated Seahawks in the NFC West. You have the Cardinals that are looking good. You Mm. have the Rams that are still sitting up there. What has surprised you most? Is there anything that surprised you when you look at this NFC West picture? I am not surprised at Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I have always thought yeah. they were going to be a Super Bowl contender. It always made sense. Even their defense stinking made sense. The Cardinals, they're about what I thought. They're, they're your 8-8, eight and eight, maybe trying to steal an, a, a wild card at 9-7. and seven. I think that what we saw against Dallas is what their offense can be. But them losing Chandler Jones, to me, will, will rear its ugly head later in the year when they don't have a pass rush. The surprise to me is the Rams, because uh, I think that they're a lot better than I thought they were. At the same point, what Kyle did to them on Sunday shows you why I, I have faith in the Niners all the time. I, I think it's, the, it's the, to me, the deepest division. And because I have no faith in most of the teams in the North, I think there's two teams in the South and the NFC East stinks. I think that you're, you're getting either you're getting three teams from the West. And so the question for the Niners is, can you outlast the Cardinals or the Rams? Because the, the Seahawks seem like they're, they're guaranteed to be in. Yeah. I, you talked about this game, the game against the Rams excited you about this 49ers team. I want to know what, what stood out looking at that game. Was it a specific player? Was it a specific game plan what stood out to you in your mind it was a reminder that when kyle is clicking nobody can touch him and 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 that's where he is he's the best offensive coordinator in the nfl and everybody is fighting for second place and so the fact that we get a little bit of debo being healthy and brandon Ayuk is starting to get there and george kittle starting to get healthy there are so many options that we don't even have raheem moster back for good so um, that and then when that offense is clicking, how it wakes up the defense to attack more. Because I think when that defense has to be on the defensive, it's now what we saw last year, and that goes back to the fan question, which is what is the difference in energy? Last year, the Niners were like that poker player that had the most chips, and they could attack you and could do whatever they wanted. And now they, they kind of seem like everybody else. I feel like that attack mode is about to get reactivated. 
you brought up uh, Raheem Mostert, and we actually got a question from Scott Kaiserman from Los Angeles, and he wanted to know, is there any possibility Raheem Mostert will play in Week 7? And I just want to give a little bit of an injury update. Uh, left that game with a high ankle sprain, likely to be an IR candidate, a short-term IR, so he wouldn't be able to return for another three weeks. But 49ers still have, you know, Kyle Shanahan likes his by-committee approach, and they still have Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, and Jamichael Hasty, the undrafted rookie. Uh, who got a few touches but has has really impressed he impressed in training camp and and his uh two games in week two and then this past week in the touches that he had but what's your thoughts on Kyle Shanahan's ground game and I've talked about this before I feel like you know you have these big splashy names you have you know your Ezekiel Elliott's you have your Christian McCaffrey's um you, you have your Derrick Henry's but I feel like Kyle Shanahan knows what to do with his running backs that he can make an undrafted guy from wherever he might be look like a superstar and i.e. Raheem Mostert. This is what the this is the the value of having Kyle Shanahan other than his offense being great is that he takes one position and he can bring value. This is a guy that when he was in Washington um they took a running back in the sixth round and he was a thousand yard rusher. I'm trying to remember, hold on, Washington. I'm like putting it, <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, Alfred Morris. He took yeah. Alfred Morris there in the fifth, sixth round, bang. His dad did this in Denver with, with Mike Anderson and all these guys. He was down there in Houston. And what do you know, Arian Foster comes out of nowhere. This is the value. And, and the thing that I love about what you guys have there is they're on the same page, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. This is the kind of guy that I need. And then you can get me anybody and we'll make it work. And it stinks when you know the running backs. And I'm sure Raheem's a great guy. And I'm sure Jarek's a great guy. And, you know, we care about them as people. At the same point, it gives you confidence as a fan that if, God forbid, something were to happen, we can get somebody else. And, I, yeah. and I, I hate talking about NFL players as replaceable, but what Kyle Shanahan has is Clinton Portis. He has a system that can make people stars. And that's where I get excited. And that's why I never have fear whoever goes back there because the eventually, even if it's just Juicy J, hey, Kyle, we need you to be <laughs> running back. I still feel like he can do it. Manscaped is the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Yeah. So I'm going back to this NFC West, and I'm just going to flat out say it. I believe it is the toughest division in the NFC. Uh, 49ers upcoming, they have the Pats, the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Saints, and this is all in back-to-back mm. weeks. Uh, Druven Barr asks, how does this team plan to win the toughest part of the season? And I and I guess I'll, I'll take this a step further. Do you see with these matchups, are these season-defining games for the mm. 49ers? But also, I'm, I'm going to throw in one more thing. When you look at some of these teams, are they as tough and scary as no. we might have thought? In and that was, that was the first thing I was going to say. I think the, the Denver Broncos just gave everybody the blueprint on how to attack the Patriots. Ground yeah. and pound because they're not a big team with your offense. And then on defense, you're containing Cam Newton. And I think the Niners can do both of those things. Then week after that against the Seattle Seahawks, 
I believe that the Niners will have a lot of success offensively. That Seattle Seahawks defense is not good. So the question there is, how do you keep Russell Wilson off the field? Or at least, how do you get the ball last and not him? Green Bay, Green Bay is a front-running team. And if they get ahead, that offense can pick you apart. But I also think Todd Bowles of the Bucks just showed how to beat them. And the Saints are not as tough as everyone, including myself, thought they were going to be. The goal for the Niners right now is how do we keep pace with the rest of our division? You have to beat the Rams when you play them. You got to take care of the Cardinals, unlike you did in week one. The Seattle games will obviously be big. But I, I, look, the, the other teams in your division have to play these teams too. And I think that what I saw from the Niners against the Rams was hope that if this running game can stay where it is, you guys can compete with anybody. I st- I'm telling you, if I'm, if I'm buying stock in any NFC West team right now, Ooh. it's the Niners because okay. they're the ones that have the most people coming back from injury. And I think they're the ones that have underperformed the most. I think they have the most room to go up. Okay, so let's start with week seven. This upcoming game, 49ers heading to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. Patriots are a small favorite. Um, New England didn't have a great game last week versus the Broncos. We just talked about that. But at the same time, going into Sunday, you can never underestimate Bill Belichick. You just can't. Um, So through now six weeks of the season, what's been your – well, have they played all six or six games? I can't even remember now. But what's been your impression of this Patriots season and – can this 49ers team pull up a surprise? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget before the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl, I looked up Kyle Shanahan and success against Bill Belichick. Kyle Shanahan has dusted Bill Belichick every time they faced off. And I'm talking about using Matt Schaub when he was in Houston and using whatever they had at Washington quarterback. He's, he averages wow. like 30 points per game against Belichick. So I'm not afraid of that because what Kyle Shanahan understands is the responsibilities of a defense and how to stress them out. And in my opinion, this is the least talented Patriots defense in a number of years. The reason that I really think that they're going to have success is I don't know what, what the Patriots strength is on offense. Their strength is beginning to look like trick plays, either Edelman throwing to James White or James White throwing to Cam Newton. But in terms of offensive weaponry, where do you go? Nikhil Harry has not developed into a great wide receiver as of yet. And so the best playmakers are Julian Edelman and James White. And I think that Robert Salah will be able to focus on that. To me, it feels like a low-scoring game. It feels like the Patriots – can the Niners establish the run in creative ways? I, I feel like it may be of any game this season – the most trick plays used by both teams because I feel like Kyle is going to, it's going to be the Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel reverse all that. And I feel like the Patriots have to do that too. So I think it will be an entertaining game, but I could also see it being a low scoring game um, because the coaching is so good, but it, it will be fun. But I'll tell you what, if you're telling me that the Patriots are favored, um, I'm kind of, 
enjoying then getting a little value and going with the Niners. <laughs> you talked about the Patriots offensive weaponry, weaponry, is that what you called it? I don't, mm-hmm. I can't remember, <laughs> but uh, I want to talk about what the 49ers have. You brought them up, uh, George Kittle, Brandon, Ayuk, Debo, Samuel. I love when Kyle Shanahan digs into that bag of tricks and we get to see that on Sunday. Uh, they refer to themselves as the yak bros. Last week was their first week of all of them having a full week of practice together with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. I think if, if I'm not mistaken, 118 yards after the catch between the three against the Rams last week. But what's been your impression of the 49ers pass catchers and also going against the reigning defensive player of the year and Stefan Gilmore? One, I am absolutely in love with the name Yak Bros. Two, <laughs> I'm upset that I didn't hear about Yak Bros before. Because what? I would have championed that more. And now I'm going to help you push this Yak Bros narrative to the oh, rest yes. of the country. Also, <laughs> you know, you want to know a great way to negate Stefan Gilmore? Focus exactly. on the Yak Bros. Because mm. Stefan Gilmore is all about that one-on-one and all that. But what Kyle Shanahan does is he attacks you side to side. And, and when you're Stefan Gilmore, it's a lot easier to cover a guy going down the field vertically than it is running across the field when you have linebackers and safeties and tight ends that get in your way. And, and I, I, that's how you get Jimmy G to succeed too. And so this, this is all getting me more excited when you tell me that was the first time that they all practiced together. Like now is the time Niners fans to start calling out your Seahawks friends to call up uh, your Rams bros and to start calling your shot. Now is your time to start getting cocky when everyone's like, it was one win. No, because Keanu <laughs> Martin just told you that this is the first time that they're practicing together. And, and and what Jimmy G does well is he executes the system. And so um, that's the way that you attack this team. They, this is a Patriots team that I think is, is really weak compared to years past in the linebacking core. Remember Dante Hightower sat out the season because of fears with COVID. Um, Remember, I, I think that they also lost Patrick Chung for the same reason. Yep. Um, they, mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of safeties and linebackers. And the one position that I think you need against the Niners are those positions because of all of the crossers and the underneath and the screens. So uh, the way that you avoid going at Stefan Gilmore, get the ball to your wide receivers early and make him tackle Debo Samuel. Make him Ooh. tackle Brandon Ayuk. Let George Kittle have the ball and run at his face. Because Stefan Gilmore wants to go on a jump ball. Mm-mm, these are the yak bros. We're giving it to him behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> I love it. I love to hear it. And you, you're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. And we have to touch on him a little bit on this podcast. And uh, we got a question from, from Instagram. Someone found our, our uh, post on Instagram. And SGK Dot asked, why does Jimmy Garoppolo get so much criticism? What is mm. it? I mean, and you look back to last year and you see some of those games, like those games against uh, the Cardinals where he put up career or yeah, career highs. And the same thing last year against the Rams. I think he's actually three and zero against the Rams in his career. But when, when you look, I think a lot of people focus in on that, that Super Bowl overthrow to Emmanuel Sanders. And there's so much focus on that, but no one's really looking at the big picture. But in your opinion, why so much criticism? Why are they hating on our guy, Jimmy? One. He's really attractive. 
And so this is people's chances <laughs> to level set with a guy that maybe has a lot of good things in life. Mm -hmm. uh, two, I think anyone that is involved with the Patriots, all we talk about is who gets the credit. I mean, we do this with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and we're still doing it. Was it Brady? Was it Belichick? Um, and I think also the thing with Jimmy is, is he's had – when he first got to San Francisco, when he started off, what was it, 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, and he's winning at the end of the game, he was getting so much love. And I think it's also the fact that, like, he didn't play for the first two years because he was backing up Brady. So it's this – like. Aaron Rodgers had the same thing when he was backing up Brett Favre, where even when he was having success early, people were going, yeah, but is this real or is this fool's gold? And I am not hmm. saying that Jimmy G is at the level of Aaron Rodgers because I, Aaron Rodgers to me is a top fiver all time, and, and I don't believe that Jimmy is there. But um, I, I think it's also tough because we're also in the era right now of Patrick Mahomes. And okay. when you have a guy that can do what he can, it's unfortunate because it, it makes everyone else seem not as good. And I, it's a little bit like Roger Federer in tennis. And I, I look at like the Andy Roddicks that like if Andy Roddick came around in any other generation, we're going, this is great. It's a little bit like LeBron where, you know, Oh, Hey, Devin Booker, you're really good. But like, you seen this LeBron guy, like it, it, it's a little bit unfair. And so, that would be my thing, too, is like I remember Jimmy G played great against the Chiefs last year, but Mahomes was inspirational. And yeah. so um, I think it's a combination of all those things. And it's also, unfortunately, the one downside of being Kyle Shanahan's quarterback is that when you're Kyle Shanahan's quarterback, he gets most of the credit. And yeah. and and but if you're a kind of guy that doesn't care that much about credit and enjoys your contract and likes winning football games and loves being a teammate with George Kittle and, and yelling out, we're live, bro. Like if you're okay, <laughs> not needing all the credit, then your life's going to be awesome. And so I think, I, I think Jimmy G is actually okay with it. I think we're all the ones that are worried about it for him, which is a good yeah. spot for him to be. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official below the waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. It's so crazy, all of the questions coming in, you know, after seeing Patrick Mahomes last year, seeing Lamar Jackson, who the 49ers played in a really close game uh, back in week 13, I believe. And then, you know, you see a Kyler Murray and, and Russell Wilson, everyone's asking, well, well, why don't the 49ers have a mobile quarterback? Why doesn't, you know, why can't he rush for yards? And, and is that a part of Kyle Shanahan's scheme? Is that the type of quarterbacks he likes? Because I feel like he likes those guys that can sit in the pocket and deliver those throws. I think that, Kyle is one of the there's like four or five guys and McVeigh's up there and Josh McDaniels up there and Sean Payton's up there and Andy Reid is up there of guys that every offseason look at their team and build something new. What what Kyle and his dad did with RG3 in Washington was historic. Like they invented this whole movement that we're seeing right now. And they did it just for RG3. And I, I think that Kyle is like to say like hey i want a russell wilson or a kyler murray it's like hey i want a generational quarterback like to get kyler murray you guys would have had to be one in 15 to get the first pick in the draft 
and and I don't think anybody wants that. So um, it's it's nice to want, but the true thing is, is Kyle is going to build. Kyle can build a a, a four thousand yard passing offense around Kirk Cousins. You know, so yeah. he he can do it with anybody. And what you have right now is is Jimmy, and I I think it's it's. It's a defense. It's what you have is a, a really aggressive defense and a running game that can't be stopped. And what you're looking for is a quarterback that can be efficient. And I think Jimmy can be that guy. All right. So Adam, we're less than two weeks from the trade deadline. And we remember what the 49ers did last year, going out and getting a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, uh, not only helped the production on the field, but also was kind of like that veteran presence among some, it was a very young wide receiving core. Um, so we definitely saw that boost to the offense having Emmanuel Sanders there. Now he's gone. But I personally, as an employee of the San Francisco 49ers, cannot speak directly on another player who is on another roster because that is considered mm. tampering. But I'm going to put this in your hands, sir. Uh, Tyler Duncan from Vallejo asked if a, I'm going to, you know, use some other words, if a specific NFC team, who has been struggling this year uh, decides that they might be unloading one of their top wide receivers in the league. Uh, what's the chances the 49ers would go for him? And um, I'm, I'm hoping you're picking up what I'm putting down right now. Um, any idea what I'm talking about here? Are you talking about Julio? I am. I believe that's the person I'm talking about. <laughs> wow. Julio reuniting with Kyle Shanahan would be yeah. pretty sensational especially because I think Julio has many years left and anyone doubting his demise, I think is crazy. I just don't think there's any chance that you're prying him unless, unless his relation, because I believe that his relationship with the city of Atlanta is foundational. And I believe that the franchise looks at him as truly iconic at the same point they did just fire the gm that drafted him and so you wonder those allegiances and what they would try and get for him julio jones and the niners would be electric uh the only thing i would say is, is as i look at the niners and what they've built they are a team on the rise and so to give up young assets whether it's players or whether it's draft picks when you're trying to continue building what you have uh, I think that I would just go back to the Niners when they went to their last Super Bowl with Harbaugh and how reckless they were with their draft picks. Drafting players that had ACL tears in the second round, uh, they did that multiple times, giving up draft picks. You cannot deplete your assets to go after guys that don't have a lot left because eventually you're going to wear yourself thin. And so what I would say is Brandon Ayuk is special. Debo Samuel is special. George Kittle is special. I am not worried about receivers on the Niners. If anything, I'm looking for D-line depth. I'm looking for cornerback depth. Um, I'm looking for offensive line depth because I want the machine to keep working. Would it be cool to have Julio? Hell yeah. Is it necessary? <laughs> I don't think so because I think you guys can score with what you have. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. You would be looking for depth along the D-line. You'd be looking for depth in the secondary, specifically at cornerback position. Uh, Richard Powal asks, do you think the 49ers will sign another defensive free agent? And when I ask this, I mean, looking at the way this year has gone, is there much talent still out there to grab? 
There's not. And that, that's the problem is most people are on rosters. And then when you factor in this COVID world and you have no idea what these guys have been up to, it's so hard to, to test them. And, and then you, they, what do they have to quarantine for a little bit too? Yeah. So, um, I, the thing is, is, and I, I would just keep saying this to, um, Niners fans is you have so many people coming back from injury. It's as if you're getting new players. Hmm. And, and what you have in the culture of the Niners is so strong already that I don't know if I need to be adding new people to it. But I, I look at you guys and all the players that are coming back and the way Jason Verrett's playing, and it, it gives me so much hope. But, yeah, I mean, you, you look at their reserves and, and who's coming back, and it's, I mean, Tevin Coleman's coming back. and mm-hmm. and and But the fact that you guys lost Solomon and Nick is so big. But I, I, I don't think that you mortgage the future to make a run this year because of what you said earlier, which is how competitive the West is. I don't, I don't, let's not get crazy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bleacher reports, Adam Lefko joined us here on the 49ers official. You've got mail podcast. I appreciate you stopping by. This was a blast. So Honestly, to to you. this was so much fun, but now I got to give, I, I have to have you relay a message for me. Okay. Uh, you are good friends with Chris Sims, who happens to be very good friends with our head coach, Kyle Shanahan. So I need you to relay the message and let them know how great of a time you had here with us on the podcast. And we got to get them on so we can we can get okay. some insight on on Kyle. We can get some, some secrets and, and some fun stories on him. I love that. And I would just like to say to all of the Niners faithful and everyone in the organization, you guys are lucky to have Kiana. She is phenomenal. She is great at her oh, job. Geez. She makes all the athletes super comfortable. They hit me up and they because they saw that you posted I was going to be on there like, oh, she's the best. So keep kicking ass. I don't know if I can say that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and when the Niners start getting back into this and they make a run at the playoffs and all the media jumps on, just remember that after week six, Lefko was on when they were three and this three saying, watch out because I'm feeling it. You know, this is going to be one of those pieces that you clip off and then you play it in the future. And you're like, look what he said. He called it. Yeah, Adam Lefko called it, it right here. Space. Love it. <laughs> Appreciate you so much. Thank you for jumping on. And we'll have to we'll have to touch base soon and, and get you in here at some point. Hell yeah. Thank you for having me. <laughs>